Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. We're going to be focusing our attention on verses 27 and 28 of chapter 9 this morning. Now, as I was preparing my sermon this week, I received an email from our dentist that our children had a dentist appointment this past Friday. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like all of our dentists and medical professional offices have gotten a lot better about reminding us about appointments. When I go to my dentist after I'm done with my exam and the cleaning, I go in and I make the appointment for the next six months out, and they give me that little yellow card I'm sure you're familiar with, and it has the date and the time, and I go and I write it in my calendar. But they know that over a six-month period of time, I'm going to forget that that appointment is coming. And so about two weeks out, they send me a reminder email. And they say, hey, I want you to confirm that you're actually going to be there. Once I confirm, about a week out, I get another email saying, are you really going to be there? <laughs> and when I confirm again, then I get a day of text message that tells me, you have an appointment. Now, it might seem like that's a little bit uh, overdoing it with the messaging, but I will confess that the last dentist appointment that I had, even though I had written it in my calendar six months out, even though I had confirmed it twice, the day of I was headed to the gym and I received a text message saying, you have a dentist appointment. And I went, oh my goodness. And I had to turn around and go to the dentist. You see, it's so easy when our life gets busy to forget these appointments that we have. We need to have reminders that they are coming. In our passage for this morning, we are given what I'm calling an appointment reminder. It's not an appointment that we have made for ourselves. Rather, it is an appointment that has been made for us. And whether we remember it or not, it is going to occur. You see, this is an appointment that we can't run away from. We can't reschedule it. Even if we forget about it, it's going to happen. It's an appointment that must be kept because it has been made by the Lord Himself. Now, if we can't avoid this appointment, then why do we need a reminder? Why does the Word of God tell us of this coming event if we can do nothing to delay it or get out of it? Well, in short, we are told so that we will be ready, that we may be prepared. Knowing that this appointment is coming will change the way that we live. You see, every time I leave the dentist's office, I make my six-month appointment. I also make a dedication that I'm going to be more consistent with flossing. <laughs> Knowing that I'm going to have another examination motivates me to do what I know that I should be doing for my oral health. Inevitably, though, I fail to be consistent, but that two-week reminder gets me back on track. Because even if I don't get the benefits of flossing for the whole six months, two weeks out is enough to make it at least look like I'm doing something. <laughs> Those reminders help us to be prepared. And as we come to our passage for this morning, I want you to take it as a reminder for what is inevitably coming. 
I want you to see that there is a day coming for which we must be prepared. And it is a day that is set and unavoidable. For many, it will be a day of sorrow and regret. But to those who are in Christ, you will be prepared to receive the full blessing of that coming day. So hear now the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will never pass away. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Father, because we know that our salvation depends upon our understanding of your word, we pray that you would give to us hearts that may not be distracted by the things of this world, but rather hearts that hear and believe your holy word. Give to us diligence and faith so that we can understand your will correctly. Help us to cherish it and to live by it so that you may be glorified and that we may be satisfied in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we do pray. Amen. Appointment reminder number one. Everyone has an appointment with death. It is an unavoidable reality. There is a day coming in which you are going to die. It's been set by the Lord, and it will occur. Several years back, I was struck by an article about the last living World War I veteran. His name was Henry Buckles. And in 1917, when he was 16 years old, he lied about his age and joined the army. That December, he sailed to Europe and joined the other 4.7 million U.S. soldiers who were mobilized for World War I. Think about that. There were over 4.7 million U.S. soldiers, and Henry Buckles outlived them all. Following the war, he worked for the White Star Line Steamship Company and sailed all over the world. And in 1941, was in Manila, Philippines, when the Japanese invaded and he was taken prisoner. He was placed in internment camp where he remained until 1945 when he was finally freed by American troops. He had lost over 50 pounds, suffered from malnutrition and various diseases. He decided that he had had enough adventure for a lifetime, and so he returned to the U.S. where he ran a cattle farm in West Virginia. There he remained for the next 66 years. Henry finally died in 2011 at the age of 110. What a tale of longevity. He outlived every World War I veteran. He survived three and a half years as a POW, It seems as though nothing could take this man down. 
But even Henry Buckles had an appointment with death. Even he eventually came to the day destined for him to end his earthly life. And so too will every single one of us. You see, the reality is that some of us in this room will not live long according to the world's standards. Accidents and disease will take some of us out earlier than we expect. Some of us will live an average length of life and die of heart or kidney disease in our 70s or 80s. And a few of us will live well into our 90s or even into our 100s. But that's it. There is no one who is going to escape this appointment. And we must reckon with this reality. Look at verse 27 again. There we read, It is appointed for man to die once. Why is it that God has made this appointment for us? Well, it's because we are all under the curse of a broken covenant. When God created man, he entered into a covenant relationship with him. It's what the Westminster Confession of Faith calls the covenant of life. This covenant established the relationship between God and man so that man could dwell in the blessed presence of God and enjoy the abundance of life. The terms of the covenant were clear and simple. Obey and live. Disobey and die. Listen to the covenant words in Genesis chapter 2. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. As the first man, Adam represented the whole human race. He was our high priest. As we've learned about high priests, how they represent a people before God. Adam was the first high priest and he represented all of his children that would come after him as his high priest. And his actions of obedience or disobedience would affect us all. If he obeyed, we too would have received the blessing of life. However, we know that he did not obey. That he rebelled against the gracious covenant that offered life. And he brought death not only to himself, but to all of his children. Romans 5 explains it this way. Sin came into the world through one man. Okay, It came into the world through Adam. And death through sin, so death spread to all men. You see, we all have an appointment with death because we are all under the covenant curse of death. We might not like this truth. We might think that it's unfair that we have an appointment with death because of Adam's failure. Nevertheless, it is the biblical reality. God gave to us the best opportunity for obedience and blessing in our first father, Adam. He had the full capacity of obedience, but he gave in to sin. And you might think, hey, I could do better representing myself. But look at your life. 
If the wages of sin is death, do you think that you would fare better in representing yourself before God? We have an appointment with death because we are under the curse of covenant disobedience. God is the one who ordains both the day of our birth and the day of our death. In Psalm 139 we read, In your book were written the days that were formed for me, every one of them, when as yet there was none of them. You see, as much as we desire to be the captain of our own ship, we are not in control of such things. We can run 10 miles a day, eat a balanced diet, and wear our seatbelt and still die at a young age. Or we can go off to war at 16, work on the high seas, get captured, starved, beaten in a POW camp, and live for 110 years. And therefore, we must trust the Lord who is in control. And we must listen to the wisdom of Psalm 90 that says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You see, it is a fool who believes that he will never have to reckon with his own day of death. It is a fool who never takes time to consider that he is inevitably and irresistibly heading towards a day of his own demise. We must wake up and look around us. Every single person who sat in the pews when Rivermont was built here about a hundred years ago is gone. And in a hundred years from now, every single one of us who are in these pews will be gone and there will be a whole new set of people here. What is your life? asked James. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The Lord is telling us in His Word, you have a coming appointment. Every single person has an appointment with the day of His death. Now, a quick sidebar here. This text also precludes the whole idea of reincarnation. I don't know how such ideas have crept into the Christian mindset, but here it tells us very clearly, we die once. We don't get to come back and live and die again. There is one life that you have to live. And once it has been spent, you are not going to be granted a second chance to do things better. This is the only chance you get. We die once. And therefore, we must be prepared. Appointment reminder number two. Everyone has an appointment with judgment. The, the first point is easy enough to prove from just looking around. We might want to avoid it, but we see it all around us. We don't need special revelation from God to tell us that everyone is going to die. However, the next point tells us what happens following death. It tells us the next appointment that God has ordained for us. Look at verse 27. Again, it says... Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. You see, everyone will die, and everyone will face judgment. Our naturalistic culture would have us believe that once we die, there is nothing else. That our existence following death is the same as our existence prior to our conception. That is to say, we will have no existence. We'll be as a flame that is just 
blown out. The assumption is, is that we are merely physical beings, and therefore, once the physical dies, there is nothing else. But the Bible tells us that there is something more. It tells us that once we physically die, there remains a spiritual existence. And when we come to that place of spiritual existence, there will be judgment. This is a sobering reality, but it is one that is repeated throughout Scripture. Later in Hebrews 10, we read of those who remain in rebellion against God, that there is a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. And later, for we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now, I can tell by the looks on your faces that this is heavy, and it should be heavy. This is an aspect of God's Word that we tend to shy away from. We want to soften such statements. But we don't do anyone any favors by covering up the reality of these appointments of death and judgment. Because every single human being rightly lies under the wrath and curse of God. And in the day of judgment, all of our sinful thoughts and words and deeds are going to be exposed. And we will see in that day the true horror of our sin. Those sins which we thought small or inconsequential will be finally seen in the light of God's holiness. And finally, we will see how deserving of God's eternal fire of judgment every single one of us are. For in this life, we might judge ourselves against others. We might think, ah, I'm better than most. I'm a nice person. We might think that our sins deserve a little correction, a little slap on the wrist, maybe a little time out or a stern correction. But eternal punishment? That doesn't seem fair or just. But we only think that because we do not understand the depth of our sin and we do not understand the height of God's holiness. And in the day of judgment, there will be no one condemned, no condemned soul to which we will look and say, God was too harsh, or God did not do what was right, for the judge of all the earth will do what is right. His judgment will be just and good. Now, when I do go to my dentist appointment, it can be a little bit like the Day of Judgment. <laughs> you sit there with your mouth wide open, all of the damage of eating sugary treats, all of the buildup from poor brushing habits, all the swollenness of gums because of the lack of flossing, and you might want to hide or ignore it, but when your dentist is doing his examination, it's his job to find out the problems and deal with them. You might think that he's being harsh, but it's a good dentist who exposes the reality of what is going on. I know that there are those of you who think that it's not spiritually healthy to fear the judgment of God. Maybe you believe that it's wrong 
that people would be scared into the kingdom. Or that it's not a proper motivation to place your faith in Jesus to avoid the punishment of hell. But the Bible does not shy away from such things. And the fear of judgment is clearly a proper motive for fleeing to Jesus Christ. It is not the only motive. But Jesus himself, more than any other figure in the Bible, speaks of the judgment of hell as a motive for fleeing to him for salvation. Jesus says that in that place that there will be an utter darkness. That is a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place from which there is no returning. He says that those who are there will have anguish and they will have regret that is a place of eternal torment and unquenchable fire. He calls it Gehenna, which was the rubbish heap outside of Jerusalem where they threw all the refuse and burned it, and the fire that was in Gehenna never went out. Jesus was more than willing to use the fear of judgment to motivate faith and repentance. We read in the book of Matthew, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Every single human being has an appointment with the day of judgment. And the all-seeing, all-knowing, pure and holy and just God will execute the proper judgment. And we must be prepared. Appointment reminder number three. Every Christian has an appointment with Christ. If we were to stop there, we would be without hope. But death and judgment is not the end of the story. It's not even the end of the sentence. For the author to the Hebrews speaks of these realities, not to leave us in fear, but to give to us great hope. Look at verses 27 through 28 again. There we read, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. You see, there is a relationship between our death and judgment and the work of Christ as our high priest. Look at how verse 27 begins with the words, just as, and verse 28 with, so Christ. Just as you have an appointment with death and judgment, so Christ has died and will save his people from judgment. You see, just as Adam was the head of the covenant of life and failed, Jesus Christ is the head of the covenant of grace, and he is one. He is the head of a new covenant, and by his act of obedience on the cross, he has tasted death and judgment for us. Again, Romans chapter 5, we read, For as by the one man's disobedience, that is Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, that is Christ, 
the many will be made righteous. You see, Jesus Christ joins his people in their death and in their judgment. Jesus Christ appears the first time to deal with sin and death. He did this by offering himself upon the cross, dying the death we deserved. He poured out his blood in our place. Though he was without sin, he placed himself under the curse of Adam's disobedience and he died. This is what Paul means when he says in Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Yes, death is a fearful thing, but we need not fear it any longer. For Jesus Christ has redeemed us from death and His promise proves true for all who look to Him in faith. For He says in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In the death of Christ, the sting of death has been removed. But not only that, but in Christ's suffering on the cross, he has also taken our judgment. For as Jesus was hanged upon the cross, he came under the judgment of God. And while he never sinned, he took upon himself the punishment for our sin. And he bore in his soul the very torments of hell that we deserved. You see, as Jesus was on the cross, he took on all the judgment. He took on all the guilt and he took on the very wrath of God that was due to his people. This is why he says in John chapter 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Did you hear that? If you are in Jesus Christ, you do not come into judgment, but you have passed from death into life. Yes, death can be a fearful thing. Yes, judgment is frightening. But those who are in Jesus Christ need not fear either of these things. You need not fear physical death. And you need not fear what the Bible calls the second death. Because Jesus Christ has joined himself to his people and as our covenant head has fulfilled our punishment and has earned for us everlasting life. Hebrews 9 is an appointment reminder. They are, so, they are there so that we might be prepared for what is coming. But there is nothing that we can do to avoid these realities. There is no amount of good works that can atone for our failures. Rather, the way that we are prepared for these unavoidable realities is to have an appointment with Christ. So that when we come to death, we are given life. So that when we come to judgment, we are given justification and the reward of heaven. This is how you must prepare. You must make this appointment with Christ. That is, you must trust wholly 
and completely in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf. You must put no confidence in the flesh and know that because Christ died, you will live. And because Christ rose from the dead, you will live forevermore. Westminster Shorter Catechism, number 38, asks, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? Right? When Christ returns and He raises us from the dead, what benefits do we receive? And it says, at the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly, and, openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. Many are walking around distracted and unaware. Or they're living in fear and doubt. But you need not live with such fear. For Jesus Christ has won the victory. And all who come to Him in faith will never even taste death. Yes, everyone has an appointment. We have an appointment with death. We have an appointment with judgment. But the gospel is that every Christian has an appointment with Jesus Christ. That He will be there in our death and He will give us life. He will be there in our judgment and He will give us full acquittal that we might dwell in the blessed presence of God forever. So how do we prepare for these appointments? We must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Place our full faith and trust in Him. And know that as we make this appointment with Christ, that in the place of death, we will receive life. And in the place of judgment, eternal blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now this morning. Lord, and we come with the heaviness of the reality of our sin and its consequences. But we come as those who have been relieved of such a burden freed from such reality, given the promise of life and life everlasting, oh, would you cause us to rejoice and to share such a good news of salvation with our children, with our family, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, and even to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.